Welcome to Fire in the Mountains, Smoky Mountain Wrestling Review Show. Ricky Wittenberg along with Andy Waddell and Justin Edgel. And tonight, we will recap the Volunteer Slam, and we will also go over episodes number, um, is it 17 and 18? I've lost count. We're actually going to do two TV episodes because... Uh, one of the TV episodes was just one match, basically, and the other TV episode was a recap of the Volunteer Slam and had one new match. So we figured we'd go ahead and bang out three shows in one tonight. So we'll go ahead and fire this off, and Justin Edgel has not killed himself after watching the Volunteer Slam, which is surprising to everyone. So I will ask you, Justin, are you in a good mental place right now? I'm still struggling, even in two weeks after I watched it. Uh, shit. Uh you know, I guess I'll survive. Um, I got to say that 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 music kills me every time. It is the corniest freaking music ever, but it's still funny to me. Andy Waddell, um, how are you surviving over these past couple of weeks? I am ready to explode on everyone. There we go. Okay. so Brian Lee sucks. There And right out of the bat. Okay, so... The Volunteer Slam Review Show, we're not going to, we will go match by match, but we're not going to get into great detail because honestly, I had, we had watched this, I'd watched this back in the day, and I guess I really forgot that this, to me, was kind of a letdown of a show, and not just because of the outcome, it just, the whole show, kind of, the, the lighting and not having Dutch and Bob and, ha- and having Les Thatcher and uh, the, the Ramey guy. It just didn't feel this. I mean, we kind of lost what we had got over the pre- previous TV episodes. I kind of thought that they had built up a pretty good card and then it kind of landed with a thud. Um, yeah. Momentum, momentum was definitely stopped. And I, and I think that that's mainly because of Bob and, and Dutch for sure. Like you said. Yeah. And I mean, that, that, that I've said a million times, sometimes they care. Well, I'll say most of the time they carry a match when the, when the match sucks, Bob and Dush, they carry it. Yeah. They, they elevate Cause, it. Cause they're, Cause they're so funny. Uh, so. And the lighting, the lighting, I, I don't care if I see the fans or not. That don't matter to me. Um, I think right. that the fans overplay it nowadays. I really don't give a crap about all the signs. Cause Honestly, if I was in one of the, if I was in the audience, I'd probably anything without the first three or four rows, I'd probably be in a fight because I didn't come to watch the back of a sign, and I don't, I don't really get into that anyway. So I don't really care if we see the fans, but they could have lit up the ring a little more than Depot Street on a Friday night, right, Andy? Hey, amen, brother. Because like I say the the whole production value just tanked the show, in my opinion, because. You couldn't really see the wrestlers. You couldn't see no reaction from anybody. You change up your announced team right in the middle of it. And even when you change up your announced team, you don't have a face and a heel announced team no more. So it, I don't know. It was, it was a misstep. Yeah, the whole show just felt off. So we'll get right into it. And, and this is the what we watched is the commercial tape. So they were clipped. The show was clipped. It wasn't the full matches, um, which I don't even know if the other one exists. Thank but. God. <laughs> so thank God for small miracles. Okay, so first match out of the gate was the Dirty White Boy over Dixie Dynamite. And I'm going to get into the psychology of this show later. 
Um, anything you want to add up front, go ahead, guys. If not, we'll skip right along and kind of uh, circle back to this later. Uh, Next. Okay. Brian Lee over Buddy Landell here in the first round. Uh, <laughs> first round, Paul Orndorff over Tim Horner, which I will say that was probably the best match of the whole show. Uh, first round, Robert Gibson over Jimmy Golden. So we get into the semifinals, and we have Brian Lee beating. That was kind of stupid, by the way, but that's okay. Which what was stupid? Robert Gibson over Jimmy Golden. What? Yeah, it, it was just it's the way they booked themselves into a corner. Which what this is part of what I want to dis- discuss later. Um, Andy. Okay. All right. You wanted to? Do you want to throw something in now? Hated it. Uh, Paul Orndorff over Robert Gibson in the other semifinal, which uh, that sets up our final. And we have a Smoky Mountain Tag Team title match in the meantime. And instead of the Fantastics against the Heavenly Bodies, I'm not completely sure if Jackie Fulton was either in Japan or he was injured or he was in jail. Uh, It's one of the three. I'm voting for Jail. jail. So that's unanimous. So we have the party patrol against uh, the heavenly bodies instead. So even that was a misstep. And Johnny and Davey Rich is a perfectly acceptable tag team. But um, overall, the match kind of was a letdown. It would have been the Fantastics and the Midnight. I mean, the fa- yeah, the Fantastics, the Midnights had a good chemistry. But uh, the Fantastics and uh, the heavenly bodies, you could tell they was going to have a good chemistry also. So. And, and we missed that. So we get into the final, uh, well, the Heavenly Bodies win and retain, obviously. And the final in the tournament, Brian Lee over Paul Orndorff by disqualification for the win. He wins the title on a DQ. Could you make the guy look any more like a pussy? Yeah. Oh, I, blood and all. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah, I, I don't really want. Yeah, I can't get into this. Blood pressure rise again. Okay, it, it's such a joke. It's a joke. I mean, I think it's almost, you know, Jim Cornette. Like, I know he pushed this guy, pushed and pushed and pushed him because he was, you know, this the key baby face. He blew this one to me. I'm sorry, he did. Let him win clean. If he won clean. I could almost say, well, okay, whatever. I still hate Brian Lee, but he won like that. Bullshit. I think that Sorry. I, can, I can probably tell you why he didn't win clean. Because they told Paul Orndorff that he was that Brian Lee was going over, and Paul Orndorff said, he ain't pinning my ass. If he could pin me in a shoot, then he could pin me. And I don't. And there's probably f- something to that. You're, I, I, yeah, I agree. But I, it still sucks. It's, it's bullshit to me yeah um all right so i want to go into the dichotomy of this tournament what what i want to do i want to do two different scenarios i just think that it was misbooked and and the first thing that i'm going to jump out and anybody that watches this commercial show i hope would i mean you don't have to agree with me but i hope you'll see where i'm coming from you're trying to make brian lee the ultimate baby face and he needed to be smashed over big time and go over with a pinfall. And so the DQ, first of all, doesn't make sense. But 
just watch how they set this up. They have um, the dirty white boy not look very strong. I mean, they should have had him just kick the shit out of Dixie Dynamite and beat him in about two minutes because the dirty white boy was set up to be one of the big bads of the whole thing. He didn't need to go as long as he went with Dixie Dynamite and have and give Dixie Dynamite that much offense. And then Brian Lee does go over Buddy Landell. It was probably because of Bob Armstrong. Maybe he was like, you know, that's his boy. Who knows? Yeah, I don't, I'm not exactly – I mean, I think they just wanted to have competitive matches. but And I, I don't think Buddy Landell should have been eliminated this early in the tournament. He shouldn't have been put against Lee in the first round. More Probably. Um, Orndorff over Horner. Okay, it was a great match, but it took Orndorff almost the entire 20 minutes, and then he had to cheat to pin Tim Horner. So they make Orndorff look weak by almost by going 20 minutes with Horner. And then we have Robert Gibson over Jimmy Golden, but Jimmy Golden destroys Gibson's leg. So we have Brian Lee go against the Dirty White Boy, and Lee's kind of fresh. And they let the white boy beat Brian Lee up pretty good in the match. And, I mean, he gets some he, he gets some color on him. And Brian Lee does bleed pretty good. So, But then the dirty white boy goes for a splash and gets pinned off of a missed splash. And then immediately he goes to right back to kicking the shit out of Brian Lee. Then we have Paul Orndorff against Gibson. And Gibson's already hurt. So Orndorff beats him pretty clean. But how does that make? It does, the whole thing doesn't make Orndorff look any stronger. So then he comes out in the main event, and Orndorff is basically, he's he's had to cheat to beat Tim Horner. He beat Robert Gibson on one leg, and Brian Lee's half dead. And so it really made Orndorff look shitty. I just think the whole booking in the tournament was just off. And I've got a, I have a solution on what I would have done, which is real easy for me to do looking back uh, 20 some years later, but I'll give my solution uh, here in a few minutes. First of all, I want to see Andy Waddell, what just breaking down the tournament overall, what do you think they did wrong? And what do you, what would you have done just with the tournament as it sits right there? What would you have done? I, I personally would have tweaked it a little bit. I would have had Orndorff lose earlier by DQ, but I'd have had him do it because he pile drops somebody. That way he keeps his respect. He don't, you know, like say dirty white boy, I'd have had him tear through and I would have rather seen dirty white boy and Brian Lee at the end and have maybe Landale or even Orn have Orndorff pile drive Lee and then bust him up and let him be the one set him up for the dirty white boy in the final. Or something, you know, something like that to where he can get the pin for the win rather than the DQ. Or if you're going to give him the DQ in the final, let Orndorff pile drive him for the DQ. You know, not just because he used a foreign object. That was the stupidest finish I've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, it, it just didn't make sense. Justin, um, I know you wouldn't have had Brian Lee win more than likely, but... Just assuming that we have the tournament laid out the way we do, what would you have done different in this scenario? Um, I, I, I second Andy Sauce totally. I mean, it, it would it would have been a whole lot easier to stomach, I guess, if if he would have won like you know like that with you know I don't know. I I can't stand Brian Lee. I can't get that out of my out of my head. Uh. 
I understand why, why, you know, you know, I don't know. Orndorff's a heel. They're going to win dirty, but why, why can't a, a, you know, the face, win, you know, win clean? I don't know. Right. Well, I'm just, I'm just, I get fired up about it. That's all. That's okay. All right. Well, looking back, I think here's, I'm just throwing this out there and you guys can see if, if you'd go with this or not. When I thought, when I was just thinking about this tournament and how I could have done things a little bit differently, what I would have done, they wasted a couple of weeks of TV building up to the volunteer slam, basically with recap shows, which is fine because you was trying to plug your big show, but one night tournaments never really work that well in wrestling. There's been very few that's been good one night tournaments where guys have to wrestle multiple times. So what I would have done is I would have conducted the Smoky Mountain heavyweight tournament on TV in conjunction with the tag tournament. And I would have had all the matches all the way up until the, up until the final on TV. And I think they could have built up some good singles matches on the volunteer slam itself and had the blow off main event. And what I would have done is I would have had Orndorff probably against someone else and losing the first round. And I would have, I would have had him lose because Hector Guerrero attacked him to try to prolong that feud. So Orndorff will be preoccupied with Hector Guerrero because Guerrero is a dirty Mexican midget that cost him a chance for the Smoky Mountain title. So Orndorff can get off on this other tangent. Yeah, he is an asshole. With with Hector Guerrero. So what I'd have is Orndorff get beat in the first round and have a deal with Hector. And I would have I would have probably had um, Landale at least into the semifinals. And I would have had the final turn out to be the Dirty White Boy against Brian Lee at the Volunteer Slam one-on-one with the whole tournament actually being conducted on TV up until that point. And I would have probably, I would have probably smashed Brian Lee over strong. Oh no, actually what I would do is I would put the dirty white boy over and I would put him over just, he would have had, he would have just obliterated Lee. Paul Orndorff may come out and pile drive him. I mean, Lee would basically get blown up by a truck to where there's no way that they're going to squash his, his gimmick or his push. You, I think it's always a lot of times. I think it's better for the babyface to be chasing the title than the babyface to be champion. And when you don't have a real strong babyface, and Lee was not a very strong babyface, I think putting the dirty white boy over is a one-on-one would have made the most sense. And I know in 1992 you want to send the fans home happy. So my solution to that is either. Have somebody come out and Doug Furness come out and save Brian Lee and kick the shit out of the dirty white boy to end the show at the volunteer slam or, or Brian Lee to get a chair and get revenge and run off the white boy. I mean, there's ways you can send the fans home happy, even if the guy loses. So I'd have, I'd have had that and just have it as one match and then build an undercard around it. I mean, you could have had the Guerrero and Orndorff is the semi-main event or, or one of the top sh- matches on the card in a Mexican death match. And then we could throw Gibson and Golden <laughs> together because they, they were having a feud. The bodies could go ahead and fight the rich cousins because that's kind of the way that wound up. Anyway, I would have, uh, 
like Tim Horner and uh, Danny Davis maybe to fight R- R- uh, Rip Rogers and um, Buddy Landell. I mean, we could we could throw together a good eight eight match card that was not a tournament. And I think that maybe that just the whole one night tournament was a misstep. And then not because I really, really hate Brian Lee as much as Justin, but I really think that they would have been better off going with a heel champion, getting it the dirty way and having Brian Lee chase the title than having him overcome all odds right out of the gate. I mean, what else does the guy got? What is when you blast the guy over that hard, he don't have anything to overcome now, so we're going well, to see where that goes. Well, I, I think I think the biggest thing with me is uh, I know I know you told me off air about what he does in the future with Brian. You know Brian Lee, I'm talking about. Oh yeah. And I get I guess that, like so far I, I just can't stand him. He's so freaking corny. Um, the way his whole you know ready for prime time crap. I mean, I got, I know it's almost, you know, 23 years ago, 20, whatever. And, and, and I think that's what drives me crazy about him. He's such a, he's a tool. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't even know how else to, how else to say it. Yeah. I so. mean, it, and, and, and like Cornette said, I mean, he said it repeatedly that Lee was definitely not his first choice. He kind of, he was the de facto right. default babyface because he couldn't get Brad Armstrong and he couldn't get Terry Taylor. And Doug Furness was making a lot of money in Japan. But if I was Cornette right out of the gate and maybe looking back, he had Furness in there for a little bit. And he will after this, he's disappearing for a while, guys. He's not going to be back until like 94. But I would have paid Which, some that good. That sucks, too. Yeah, he, I like I like Furness. I, I mean, it's documented. Right. Oh yeah, and I would have paid. I would have tried to work with Furnace's Japan schedule, but I would have tried to make it worthwhile for him to stay home and let him be the lead babyface at least out of the gate, because the fans in Knoxville connected to UT football's Doug Furnace way more than they ever connected to primetime Brian Lee. And Doug Furnace is a natural athlete, and even though he wasn't the best talker, just the way the dude was so genetically gifted. And the fact that he played for the University of Tennessee, he was the hometown hero, and so they kind of missed the boat. I think I would have throw I would have thrown my weight behind Doug Furness out of the gate, and tried to build Brian Lee up uh, before just shoving him down everybody's throat. Andy, you hadn't talked much. What uh, What do you think about my? Do you, would you have went with the tournament on TV like me, or did you? Is the one night tournament the right thing, and you would have just done it differently? I, I'm not. I'm like you. I'm not a real big fan of the one night tournament, but I can see the way you know. Like I say, they was wanting him to overcome some odds, but I, I would have done like you're talking about. I would have let him, even if they did the one night tournament, let him get the tar kicked out of him illegally, of course. The first match, let him get the tar kicked out of him in the ch- in the championship, lose the belt due to villainy. And that way you get the sympathy going for him. And then he can turn it instead of being like the cornball that Justin hates, you know, he can turn it around and all of a sudden, you know, all right, y'all want to play dirty. I'm tired of this. I am getting the belt. And then you got something to build for now. He's got the belt. And then, well, what else does he have to prove? He's 
you know, he's beat the best that you got in the league while he was hurt, while he was bleeding. There's nothing else to build up to. Yeah, and and one uh, one other thing about that is if if we're going to go with the one night tournament, let's have him fight Paul Orndorff in the very first round and have Paul Orndorff get frustrated and pile drive him on the freaking concrete. Let's 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 let him pile drive him on the floor, lay, leave him laying there in a pool of his own blood. I mean, let the ambulance come and cart him off, and and then him just miraculously show up for a second round match against Buddy Landell who will just unmercifully beat the crap out of him and just work on his neck and work on his neck and keep him busted open and then let, let, let him go over the dirty white boy in the final one, two, three pin. I mean, if you want to smash the guy over, they should have done it in reverse. And the way you kept Paul Orndorff strong is just having Paul drive the guy, get frustrated yeah. and just pile drive him and say, the hell yeah. with it. Yeah. Just let him be the, you know, I don't give a crap. I'm, you know, yeah, I want the title, but you've pissed me off, blonde boy. So now I'm going to destroy you, destroy your career, destroy your family. I don't, you know, yeah. that that's the Paul Orndorff you like to see. And I don't know, they just it it just wasn't booked right. Yeah, I, I don't know. So we're not going to spend a great deal of time on this volunteer slam. I mean, we didn't want to go over the matches one by one just because, honestly, the volunteer slam to us, all three, and we talked about it before we done the show. We went, are we going to do this show and go over these? And we just decided it would be for the best to, to just kind of re- give a brief recap, some oversights, our thoughts, uh, rebook it a little bit, and 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 basically move on. And just, <laughs> we just know that they kind of screwed this up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to, to use a wrestling term they botched the shit out of it period they just said well that actually will lead us to tv show um episode number 17 and thank god we've got bob and dutch back because it's just not the same without bob and dutch here early in this in this smoky mountain run Uh, or c styles oh he wasn't there yeah styles was he wasn't on he was back in jail apparently he didn't pay that ticket, I guess. Yeah. They didn't talk about <laughs> styles in this episode, but we go to the pre-taped interviews of all the guys in the, well, of some of the guys in the tournament. And that was, that's definitely well worth watching because they, they all cut like a minute promo. And uh, Buddy Landell's is probably the best because he said that he's going to run like 17 miles or something ridiculous and just get up a good stank so nobody will want to touch him. And I thought, <laughs> well, that's a good, I mean, that, there's a tactic right there. He, he stinks so badly that nobody's going to even touch the guy. And, and you just never know what Landell's going to come out with next. I, I, the thing that kept uh, catching my attention is Jimmy Golden stole Killer Kyle's hat. So what else did he steal of his? That's, uh, that was the first thing that popped in my head. Well, if he stole anything else, he was concealing it. And I don't want to know where it was at, so... Oh, Danny Davis uh, is going. I, 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 oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I, um, I was going to say that I was going to say something about Rip Rogers, but that later on. Okay. But anyway, he, he went nuts. Yeah. And it and it killed me. Oh yeah, Rip Rogers tearing up the newspaper and pro- proclaiming himself to be the fittest man in the world, they, saying he was in the USA Today. Oh yeah. They were yeah. talking about that in the USA Today. It was just it was funny. And, That's uh, all. 
Danny Davis, of course, he's going to explode all over everybody. Dixie Dynamite's going to crawl in between the legs of everybody. I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, some of this stuff is very, very in- interesting looking back on it. So now this is inter- this is also interesting. We have the Mountain Mayhem 18-man Battle Royal. Keep this in mind. 18-man Battle Royal they've announced. Also, they announced that all the all the wrestlers have picked their spots and they know when they're coming out or when they're going to be entering the ring. Except the fact that when they call most of these guys, they don't, they act like they're really surprised whenever their number gets called. And so right out of the gate, Dixie Dynamite's number one and Rip Rogers is number two. And he throws a complete and absolute hissy fit, which was very entertaining. Oh, and just going with Dixie Dynamite, uh, it's an over-the-top rope battle royale. Yes. And this idiot, I'm sorry, I, I, I like the Confederate flag theme and all that, but this idiot goes for a pin, not once, not twice, but three times. Oh, yeah. What? Right. I, I, my <laughs> mind, I, I about had an aneurysm watching this. I'm like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> this, okay, sorry, go ahead. This is not one of these weird Russo book WCW battle royals that do they just make up a new rule as they go. Uh, that would yeah. be years, that'd be a few years later. Oh, it, it was just amazing. I'm like, even the referee's like, uh, I, uh, no, uh, <laughs> no, you've got to throw him over the top. He could lay there for 50 and I'm not, he's not out of the match, but we'll get into, no. we'll get into the over the top thing in a minute. So Dixie dynamite, Rip Rogers, the first two, number three, Dr. Tom Pritchard. They said, if, if you were even are remotely into knowing how booking works and I was by 92 because my dad had his own wrestling deal. So I kind of knew enough to know you're going to bring in the, it's just like war games, man. Did the faces ever win the coin toss to have a two on one face thing? No, you can't do that. There's always got to be the hills with the advantage. So it doesn't surprise me. A hill comes in. So Tom Pritchard comes in. They beat the crap out of Dixie dynamite. Fourth is Ben Jordan just because. And they kind of, they kind of talked, uh, talked that up pretty much in the commentary about that you know like they say they're talking about how the heels and the faces are against each other and stuff like that they, they throughout the whole you know like the whole show they, they talk about that so yeah and i mean that's it they, they, they really don't do that anymore like today in the wwe but no well i mean they didn't even back in the day in the they would do I mean, heels would team up on faces, but even in the old Royal Rumbles, you would see some face against face and heel against heel. But I mean, they kept this strictly face and heel. I mean, the heels. Did yeah, they, they, they made it. They made it pretty obvious. So, so Ben Jordan comes in in fourth. Goober and, number two. Do what? Goober number two. Oh, this yeah. is the second Goober in this match that oh, yeah. tries to do a pin. Yeah, because he tries to pin Rip Rogers. And and so we have that. Joey Maggs comes in fifth, so that actually does give us a three on two face, which was which was a little bit of a, a change up, I guess. And um he, I, I I did make a note that in the get he's got a new he's got new ring gear. And with this questionable video quality, he does kind of look like a stumpier and fatter version of Scott Steiner in 1992. 
Oh, dear God, he does. <laughs> he really does. You watch this battle royal and tell me, you cannot tell me that this dude with this fluorescent orange outfit does not look like a shorter and stumpier version of Scott Steiner. He's like the Spike Dudley of the Stunner Brothers. <laughs> That's an insult to Spike Dudley, and you know it. <laughs> yes, sir, it is. Spike <laughs> Dudley could jump. All right, so Ben Jordan gets uh, the obligatory toss, and uh, we're down to the four, back to four. Stan Lane comes in at number six, and then Bobby Fulton runs in and attacks the Heavenly Bodies, and they run away. And because they run away, apparently with the they did not throw themselves over the top rope. They run away from Bobby Fulton, and I guess because they left the ringside area, they are both eliminated. So there you go. The bodies are already out. And that's uh, the, the, not explained real well. Oh, and another thing, if you've, if you've not watched this yet and you're listening, but you're going to go back and watch, around the ringside, the way they do this is they don't have the wrestlers emerge from the back. They're all sitting in folding chairs around the ring. So it's, it's kind of like a, um, it's kind of like the wrestlers have a front row ringside and it's, it's kind of like one of the, I don't, I don't know. It, it's weird. They have the heels and the faces sitting apart from each other, obviously, but they're, they're all just sitting in chairs around the ring watching the match. So it's, it's a strange. Seventh comes in dirty white boy comes in at number seven. Uh, Robert Gibson comes in at number eight. He goes straight. Uber number three. Uh, Robert Gibson. Yes. Uh, he also I, I goes do for that. <laughs> at least. Uh, yeah. More than once. So the good guys have to be an idiot. Is that, is that yeah. like an unwritten rule that I miss? That, they just have that's to why I like it. That's why I like the heels better. These <laughs> idiot, these idiot faces. Yeah. Uh, Bob, okay. And Bob Cottle, and it's somewhere in around here. I, I thought I made a note, but maybe I forgot. Bob Cottle even starts blasting the idiots for trying to pin. I mean, and he is the face announcer, and he is blasting the other faces. Uh, he's agreeing with Dutch Mantel at this point. Well, like, what is well, wrong that was with the bad that? part. Dutch was actually having to take up for him, saying, you know, well, maybe it's because they're so used to doing it that they, but they need to understand the rules. And I'm like, you're making the heel guy take up for Robert Gibson. What the hell? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just because there is no excuse for it. I mean, when you are in a battle royal, you do not try to pin somebody, unless oh. it's one of those battle royals where you do, where pinfalls and submissions count. So. This was not one of those. Uh, Robert Gibson, uh, Bob Cottle calls, calls Joey Maggs, Joey Skaggs. So I guess he's now Ricky Skaggs. I know. I, know. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's basic Battle Royals stuff here, face and heel with no heels on heels and no faces on against faces. I mean, it is strictly by the books. But it's, I mean, they are kicking the crap out of each other, and it's entertaining. I will i will give the match that. Buddy Landell comes in at number nine. We go to commercial. We come back. Joey Maggs is eliminated. And uh, then Landell eliminates Dixie Dynamite and flexes in the ring for everyone. Prime time. Brian Lee comes it, in at number It 10. pretty much does nothing else until the end. Yeah. Prime, prime time Brian Lee comes in. And, uh, it was, and he explodes. Oh, yeah. It was four on one, so he gets to dump poor Rip Rogers out. But at least they gave Rip a little bit of a run in there. Jimmy Golden, number 11. Joe Kazana, number 12. 
Doug Furness comes in at number 13, and he just kicks the sheath, throws Kazana out like a <laughs> damn rag doll. My, I was say, Kazana, the golden shower. Oh. Ju- number, I can't say that. Number, thir- number 14, Paul Orndorff. He, uh, Mr. Wonderful, number 14. Tim Horner, 15th. He eliminates Jimmy Golden. Then Robert Gibson gets tossed. 16 is Barry Horowitz. And 17 is Nitro Danny Davis. So uh, our 18-man battle royal actually. 17, you say, huh? Yeah, our 18-man battle royal has 17 men. Uh, the only conceivable option I have here to save SMW is that Bobby Fulton was 18 and just because he ran off the bodies that counted as an extra dude. I don't know because they, they said that he's not even supposed to be wrestling and he was in street clothes. So I have no excuse for them. I have an alternate theory. We had an elimination that didn't count. So maybe that was the 18th person. Maybe Landale got an extra chance. True. Very true. So those idiots in the crowd couldn't even count to 18. That's my theory. That's possible. Oh yeah, they can. They don't want that statutory thing going on like Jackie. they can at least count to 18 yes sir uh dirty white boy and furnace both go out together they throw each other out buddy lindell throws cocaine on tim horner (laughs) i swear to god this (laughs) one he just throws a big a big bump right at tim horner that was a good one it was shameless yeah he blinds him and (laughs) and horner's off He, he gets blinded and uh and all messed up all at the same time Barry Horowitz goes out. I mean, it's like rapid fire now. The, they figured out, well, we're all we're all in. It's time to go home. Dirty White Boy sticks around. He pulls out Brian Lee. Landell goes out on the other side of the ring. And literally everybody's flying out of one side of the ring and Landell goes out the other side. So he hits, he hits, looks around, runs back in the ring, lays down. Nobody saw it. So Davis somehow gets gone in all of this, and then Horner dumps Orndorff, and then Landell comes flying over and throws Horn- Horner out and and wins the Mountain Mayhem Battle Royal and flexes for the crowd. And that was one of the more fun Battle Royals I've watched, even though it was, I mean, it was a little bit different and there wasn't no heels and face, they wasn't fighting each other. It was still a fun battle royal to watch. Andy, what do you think about it? Oh, I loved it. Like I said, if I can understand the you know the going for the pin maybe once or twice if you've got a goofy you know type character, but that was my only complaint about it. It kind of distracted from what was going on in the ring. But as far as the match itself and the way they worked it, 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 it was great. It, it was funny. It, you, you had the good moves going on. You had to swerve at the end. It, it was a great night for this organization. I did, okay, I've got a – looking back and do a rebook real quick, I have the perfect idea now that everybody was doing the pin thing. We could have had Carl Stiles in this match, and he could have, been, <laughs> he could have killed everyone and tried to pin like literally every person in there. And then Dutch finally gets so pissed off, he comes down to have more on and then throws, then throws Stiles out himself. That would have been – that would have made the match perfect. Well, no, no, that's yeah, that that's the way it could have worked. He could have went down there, hollered at Styles. Styles steps over the top rope like the you know, Undertaker or Kane and jumps down there to talk to him. 
Yeah, yeah. And then he'd be like, well, you damn idiot. <laughs> you just eliminated yourself. Yeah, and so then him try to get, that on. No, then, then we'll have Carl try to get back in the ring and have like five referees have to try to drag him off because he just doesn't understand the concept. Why couldn't we have, why can't we go back and book this right now? I could, if I gave that to Cornette right now and I could go back to 92 and tell him that I guarantee you that he would go through with that idea. We got to find doc Brown. Hurry up. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, so Justin, um, kind of uh, like, this is a Royal rumble concept, obviously. So what did you think? Right. Well, I mean, uh, that's what I was going to say. Um, growing up, uh, that was even, even over WrestleMania. That was probably my favorite pay-per-view with the Royal Rumble and that's what it reminded me obviously and I think I think my favorite moment of it was Rip Rogers of course I still don't get why he's he's not getting pushed I know he lasted a little bit but man the dude the dude just gets it and I don't get why he didn't get a push but what I mean I I'm in a loss yeah. I, I love that uh, Buddy Landell one though. I'll say that because oh, yeah. you know I always liked I always liked the the heels, obviously. But and I mean the fans don't have to go home pissed off because he won underhandedly and technically the next well, course, show yeah. the next show is actually the continuation of this. I'm, I know it was taped the same night, so they get to see the comeuppance on the same card, basically. Because what happens is after this match is over, Tim Horner's at the desk, and he's still got all the cocaine on his face, so this is great. And instead <laughs> of Armstrong, like, suspending him for having cocaine, he gives him a match for the $5,000 the following week against Landell, one-on-one, because he says he can't go back and reverse the referee's decision, but he can give him a match with Landell's $5,000 on the line. So I have a little bit of, okay, I know that you want to give the guy a match, but Blandell, he he was granted the $5,000 whether he won it fairly or not. I don't think that he should have been able to make him to put up the 5000 I think the next show would be better off if Landell comes out and says he's already either spent the 5000 or that he's got an attorney and that they're holding the money up and you can't he can't do the five thousand but he has to fight or something. Because it, it kinda what incentive did Buddy Landell have to bring the check to the match the next week, in theory? Um the only thing that could happen there's only two things that could happen to him in that match, and one of which is him losing the five thousand dollars. Which Yeah, I wonder Yeah, I agree. One hundred percent. Which it's kind kind of a Against what I just said, but it, I mean, it, it's the truth. I mean, what's the point of having that whole Royal Rumble thing or whatever it's, you know, mayhem thing? Yeah. And then, and then, and then the next week, changing it. You know, it's like having a pay per view. And then the next, on Monday, Monday night, change, change, you know, have the title change hands. It's dumb. Yeah, yeah but I mean, it, we, it's weak, weak to me. Andy, what did you, uh, what do you make of that? See, I would have done something to have, you know, maybe have Landell come out and, you know, say, hey, this is my money, but if you're so sure you can whip me, put up your own 5000 and then it'd be worth a $10,000 match the next week, you know? Because, like I say, what incentive does he have not to go cash the check and blow it all on Coke at night? I mean, 
Yeah, yeah truth be told, I mean, he threw did. at least $5,000 worth of Coke in Horner's face in the tournament. <laughs> yeah, you know, so he's in the hole already. At least give him a chance to double his money. I mean, but I don't, uh, the, the quote of the night to me was during this whole little episode right here, Bob looks at Horner and goes, instant replay never works in any sport. And I'm like, boy, if there's ever a <laughs> foot and mouth disease, you just done it right there. Yeah. Well, I mean, in 92, there was no replay and nothing. And we didn't have, a, and then now we have replay even in baseball. So, I mean, <laughs> that's just a sign of the times right there. If you want to get dated, just listen to Armstrong's comment right there and say, well, that was a while back. What about the tuck rule? Well, let's, I'm not talking about the tuck rule, but at least thank God the Patriots are not in the Super Bowl. I'll be, I'm happy about that. Um, all right, so we go into the next week's episode, which we will not recap because all it was was a volunteer slam recap, and they tack on this Horner and Landell match, which they give it about 10 minutes. It's a good match. It's what you would expect out of those two, except Horner wins with a roll-up. And wins the $5,000. Yeah, but they do end it on a good note with Buddy Landell tearing up the check for $5,000 and cramming it in Tim Horner's mouth to end the show. Now, I thought that was entertaining. If you're going to have I Landell love the lose million it, dollar man. Yeah. If you're going to have Landell lose it, then the way they ended that was very, uh, they'd done that very effectively. I mean, I still don't agree with. Landell having to come out with $5,000 because just as a, as a heel, it wouldn't make sense that he would even do it, but it does make sense as the chicken shit heel for him to, once he loses to tear up the check and, and shove it down Horner's throat. Because if he can't have the money, nobody can have it. So we have that. I, I did, I did like the ending of that. Andy, um, any thoughts on the, uh, one match we get from episode 18? Uh I'm just glad the Horner couldn't cash that check and make a recording because, oh. Oh, God, no. We don't need another in-studio session. so shitty. Singing Shameless. Uh, yeah, right. He'll have Danny Davis on the like next Garth one in Brooks. the background exploding all over yeah. the equipment. I'm shameless. Boo! <laughs> and then all you hear yes, is Yes, we know you are shameless. Big-ass electrical Shh. shock, and Tim Horner will be dead. <laughs> Pointing, you know, right where it, where it's at. Anyway. Oh my God! So yeah, the, uh, that was something we we did mention that Danny Davis in the the um, Mountain Mayhem decided that he's going to use his catchphrase and say that he's going to explode all over everyone. And I did talk to you guys about that the day I watched it because I said the only thing that I could think my mental image is Danny Davis running around the ring just ejaculating all over the place and guys flinging themselves out of the way and him went and him winning this, this, uh, this train wreck of a match, which I know, I know that would never happen, but my, the 2016 cynical version of me trying going back to think of what that would, <laughs> of just him just running around the ring, just exploding all over everything. I mean, my God, uh, at least if we can't be entertained by the way they wanted us entertained, looking back, we can definitely be entertained now. And that goes back to, like you said, the cynical side of me. I look at this and I'm like, was it really that more innocent or were these guys knowing what they were doing and just 
sneaking stuff past the censors I, so they can get on Saturday morning. I, I, I don't know. I'm because they play it so straight that you, you really don't know if they knew what they were saying or if it was just, you know, coincidence. I think some of them knew. I'm not quite sure Davis was one of those. I know Cornette I don't probably. Think, yeah, Cornette I don't think Davis enough. or Cottle knew, but, you know. Yeah, you don't, see, see, I was going to say, I think Cottle, he said it too much. Yeah, no, he, he, all I know. Exploding all over mean, the place. Thought, I mean, it was or a Or do you line. think he's just a dumb old man that, no, he's not. No, he's not a dumb right. guy. He's just well, I, you know, what I mean, um, like it, he was ignorant. Yeah, he's. Uh, I, I, that's probably the better word, ignorant. He's oblivious to the other things right. that are going on. Right. Same. In life. Same difference. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you couldn't transplant Bob Cottle to 2016 from that time frame and just let him get on the internet for one day, and there would be no more Bob Cottle. No. Right. Massive stroke right there. Yeah, it would be. He would have had a massive stroke of some sort. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yes, uh, Cornette was, I'm sure Cornette was up on a lot of this, and he, he would do the wink and nod thing. He'd let it go. And my God, Andy, I don't know if you remember this, and I know Justin has no idea because he's not watched any of this, but do you remember when Daryl Van Horn hit Smoky Mountain down the road? Do you know who that is? Uh, it's not ringing a bell, but that's been a few years ago. Okay. Uh, he also plays Father James Mitchell uh, later on. He is the Sinister Minister. Oh, Lord. He's, so he, he <laughs> wait like, for this. So Smoky Mountain's one of his first stops, and he's a manager, but he also then he gets on TV. And some of the stuff that this dude flies out with, with Bob Cottle right there with him, you'll love it. I mean, when we get to it, you're going to literally freaking die because I mean, he's talking about porn stars and he's, I mean, it's going way over the head of all these East Tennessee hillbillies that's watching this. Cause if they would have known what this guy was saying, they would have, they'd have murdered him in studio or baptized him one or done both at the same time. We're sorry. We're killing this guy. (laughs) We're going to baptize you till you die. Baptism by fire. <laughs> um, oh, Lord. So when we get to that, Justin, that's something to look forward to when uh, when uh, J- Daryl Van Horn rolls into town, uh, Father James Mitchell. So yeah, he, it looks like he, he was in uh, – he was in WCW and ECW. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had, TN, he, I mean, TNA. He he was uh, Mortis's manager in WCW. Oh, okay, I got when, you. When they first started that, he and okay. uh, yeah, then he was in TNA, and he's like a a very successful karaoke guy singer now in Florida. I mean, the dude is doing real well, and he is hilarious to listen to. So, if you ever get a chance to listen to any of his podcast or anything that he's on, this guy can tell a damn story. Let me tell you that he's funnier than hell. And uh, but he's going to show up at Smoky Mountain, and that oh, dichotomy with him it. in Smoky Mountain is something to look forward to down the road. So we've got so much good stuff coming up in Smoky Mountain that even though we had a down big volunteer slam, a down supercard, there's still a lot to look forward to because I know what's coming, and I, that was just a misstep. But everybody everybody makes mistakes, and we'll move on. And at least the fire in the the uh, the Mountain Mayhem Battle Royal show, it was entertaining. So part of part of the what we was watching this week at least made me feel good about what I was watching after I watched the Volunteer Slam. 
Yeah, the Mountain Mayhem was was good because of two people, in my opinion, was it Rip Rogers and Buddy Landell, because he won. And oh yeah, that's just my opinion. Yeah, uh, and and Doug Furness was he was definitely throwing guys around in there too. When a little bit yeah, I like him too. Yeah, I mean Doug. He's Fur- the only he's the only face I really like. To be quite honest. Yeah, I mean they they did have a tough time early with their their face dynamic, which they will correct that sure. down the road here a little bit. And uh, when we get Ricky Morton in with Robert Gibson and give us a true rock and roll yeah. express, it makes Robert Gibson a whole lot more tolerable all of a sudden. Yes. I, I have said that since the beginning, Robert Gibson as part of the rock and roll express childhood favorites. I love watching them. Him as a singles competitor. It, it, it just, well, even in the Battle Royale, you can tell he's more comfortable in there with a bunch of people or a group of people rather than trying to carry it all by itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, he's kind of a cornball too, which I've said. And the, and the whole thing with the Bulldog being his finisher, that that's something we didn't really touch on in the Volunteer Slam, but he, he almost hits it out of nowhere like Austin hits a stunner. But you don't hit a bulldog out of nowhere. It just looks weird. He he has one of the worst bulldogs I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. There is no question. That, go ahead. They they should have stuck him with like a DDT or you know something more suiting to his because he's not a speed guy. He'd, he'd have oh. been better off maybe a DDT or slingshot suplex or a brain bust. Yeah, you know anything or. The bulldog would have been all right, but you know, don't make it look like he's trying to do it out of nowhere. Let him have like a little setup, or yeah, you know, do it out of the corner. Yeah, yeah the out of the corner. Bulldog. You know, throw the guy in the corner, and then you know, do the little whirlwind thing, and then take off with it. It just something different because it just looks awkward. Anyway, with the, I don't know where we went to be talking about Robert Gibson, but where was sudden, Car- where was Killer Kyle at? Uh, That's what I was, I'm, I'm starting to wonder what he was, was as we say in the he was as we say in the south he got it, he was shining it up he was going to turn it sideways and he was just <laughs> trying to figure out where to stick it or who to stick that, it in actually. That is correct. Yeah. So, yeah, well actually it makes sense that they they're trying to make Kyle kind of this uh, possibly this monster, so they didn't really want him in the tournament, which makes sense. And then I guess they didn't want him in Mountain Mayhem because they're trying to make him one of the more legit tough guys. So just protecting him by keeping him out of it is is one of the ways they could do it. And and this may be I've got to look at the old Observer newsletters and. And look back at the stats because I've not really I've not watched ahead. I'm trying to watch it as we go through again and not get ahead. And I can't remember, but this may be about the time Bob Holly disappears again because Bob Holly was making more money as a welder or whatever the hell he done in Alabama, and and so he went back. Yeah, to yeah, doing he, that. yeah. He won't even. He he hasn't been around in a while. Yeah, so that, he this may have been about the time he disappears uh, also. So. We have that. I mean, we're going to have some new guys coming in uh, that's going to be very productive. Oh, and I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Stan Lane and his and his rug uh, that he had on his head. Uh, if if I've noticed this, I thought that he wore a wi- wig. I wasn't sure because 
at the first couple of shows, like when you see him, and I knew that he had kind of thinning hair, and then it looks like he's got a full head of weird kind of bunched up hair in the front. And then I just heard Cornette on uh, the 605 podcast this week talking about Stan Lane's weave. And uh, so I think it's 605podcast.com. Or it's, even it's, even back then, yeah, he was he was wearing he had he had it weaved into his woven into his head, and so and, and eventually we'll get to the point where Stan Lane is wearing the doing the old um, Mongolian stomper gimmick. So and the reason he does that is because he was afraid that his hair his weave would get pulled out somehow. So he was kind of sensitive about that. Just, if you let we like, if you listen to. Uh, listen to other wrestling podcasts. Listen to the story Cornette tells on the 605 podcast with uh, Brian Last and uh, Bix. Uh, that was a good podcast this week. Anyway, so... Did the Mongolian stomper, didn't he just die? He did, and I was going to touch on that. Um, oh, okay. Archie Gouldy, the Mongolian stomper, just a absolute freaking legend. And I don't throw that... I mean, I know that I've said legendary, or this guy's a legend, or that guy's great. He really was what you would call a legend in East Tennessee and in Canada, um, playing the Mongolian stomper. And he was one of the most hated bad guys ever in this neck of the woods when I was growing up. I mean, and he was like a, he was legit. I mean, you could tell the guy was really tough and he come across as real menacing. And then by the time we get into Smoky mountain, he was a little bit older then. I mean, Actually, he wasn't as old as I thought he was because he was just 72 or 73 when he passed away. But he was at the end of his career in Smoky Mountain when they'd bring him in. And he's, he comes in as a face a couple of times in Smoky Mountain. And, and the fans love him. It's just because the guy had been around forever. And uh, genuinely, you couldn't ask for a nicer dude outside of the ring. Um, I know my dad had some dealings with him when uh, – when he done his own deal um, in the late 80s. And he was really one of the nicest guys outside of the ring that there was. And uh, just an all-around good guy and hate to see hate to see guys like that pass away. I mean, you hate to see anybody pass away, but uh, the Stomper, he was a good, he was a good one. Um, Andy, do you remember? You have much memories of the Stomper oh, growing up? My mama hated him. Oh, good Lord, she hated I didn't. But like I say, you know, you see people, especially in the smaller markets and stuff, that would want to, you know, try and reach out and hit a bad, you know, bad guy or do something like that. But when he walked in through there, no, yeah, everybody's like, uh, yeah, you go ahead, dude, you get, you get, yeah, yeah. boo, yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah, back up away from the stomper. You didn't want to mess with the guy. No, because like you say, it looked like he could literally eat you and your children and crap you out. He was amazing. Yeah, so uh, after our last episode, he he passed away, so I did want to touch on that. Um, So uh, anything else we want to hit on this week, guys? I mean, anything else uh, that's sticking out on Smoky Mountain that you'd like to talk about, Andy? Uh, not that I could think of. I, like I said, the like you said, the volunteer slam kind of left me a little disappointed. But then we got into the battle royale and it kind of picked back up. So I'm looking forward to next week. Oh yeah, I, I would. I haven't watched the uh, neither one of the next two shows yet. But 
I hope that they can regain the momentum that they lose in the Volunteer Slam because I know they taped the Mountain Mayhem show before the Volunteer Slam, and that's why it kind of was pieced together weird and why they didn't mention that Brian Lee was the champion because they had already done that show before the the slam happened. So hopefully we re- rebound and we have uh, two good episodes to talk about next week. Justin, yeah. any any uh, any more thoughts tonight? Uh, not too much. I second both those thoughts by you guys. And the only thing I can say is screw Brian Lee. Well, I mean, Justin- I can't stand him. He's annoying. And I'll just leave it at that. Well, I mean, we knew, me and Andy knew coming in that Brian Lee was going to win this. Oh, I know. Yeah, I'm sure and, you guys And you didn't yeah. know. And every week your hatred for Brian Lee grew more and more. And the only thing I could think of is as soon as ju- – I need to have him on like a suicide hotline because <laughs> just as soon as you see Brian Lee be declared the champion, you are ar- going to arbudwire yourself in your own home. <laughs> And nobody wanted to see that happen. So I, we're just happy that you pulled through. Hey, look, hey, look that up, everybody. Uh, if you don't, if anyway. you don't know what it is, actually, don't look that up. <laughs> because if you watch it, you're going to be scarred for life. And nothing, right. not too much phases me. And there's a couple of guys that I work with, and nothing phases them either. They watch that one day. And they're pretty much scarred for life, too. So that's a joke that we can make. And it's not a very funny joke, really. It's kind of morbid. Well, but do not go back. You talk about, yeah, talk not, to. Yeah, do not go back and watch that. <laughs> or if you do, I'm giving you strong warning that uh, it's pretty graphic. Let me put it that way. Anyway, Owen Hart. Owen Hart. No, I mean, the Owen Hart thing was an accident and he fell. This guy, this yeah, guy offed himself I, I, on I purpose. I'm just trying to like a relatable thing to wrestling, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, but I know, I know Owen Hart didn't do it on purpose. Like, yeah. And like our, I make the our, joke, our buddy, our bud. I made the joke about Owen Hart a couple of weeks ago, which I actually wasn't even trying to do. <laughs> I was, I was trying to th- throw the giant against Hogan when they go off the top of the building. And I missed the, I missed the arena. Okay. I, I knew that there was a significance and I didn't mean, I didn't mean to make that joke as, as bad as I can be. Sometimes I didn't mean to make that joke. So hey, at least you're not Booker T. So no, he done it willingly and purposefully. So that makes it even, that makes him even worse. <laughs> okay. So for, uh, Andy Waddell and Justin Edgel, stay, stay tuned with us here on, uh, fire in the mountains. We've got, uh, two big episodes coming up probably next week. We should drop another show next Friday night, Saturday morning, and, uh, we'll go over episodes 19 and 20. And you can follow us on PWO, Pro Wrestling Only, uh, post in the publications and podcast section. And also um, soundcloud.com slash Ricky Wittenberg, which is hard to spell. So just go to PWO and find it. Or uh, if you're listening to this show, then apparently you've already found it. And we we still do have some exciting news to come unless – Unless we can't get the web server flipped over, right? But we do have some big news coming. Uh, it will explode all over you. And it will explode all over everyone listening. So, guys, it's been another fun week. So, for Andy and for Justin, this is Ricky saying another Fire in the Mountains in the books. <laughs>